This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. It is Thursday, the 14th of March, 2019. High day, as they sometimes call it. March 14th, at least, the date of broadcast. Thank you for tuning in to VORW International. This is a weekly light entertainment program, which features a broad variety of my mixed talk on a wide variety of issues. You're really going to hear it all in this program. I share my own independent thoughts on various philosophical, moral topics, current events, and then we have a segment later on in the show where uh, we just take a look at listener feedback and correspondence. We open up the mailbag and uh, we read a few suggested topics from the listening audience. If you are tuned into this broadcast right now, you might be listening in on your phone, online, via one of the many podcast apps, on YouTube, SoundCloud, or even via shortwave radio. Let me know that you're listening. If you have something to say, either right now or perhaps after you've been listening to the program for a bit, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at vorwinfo at gmail.com. I'll repeat the address once again. vorwinfo at gmail.com. Likewise, before anything else, I would like to mention that this broadcast is listener-funded. It stays on the air thanks to your support and your support alone. This show is done each and every week, thereby the need for support is continuous. If you'd like to donate, help keep this show going, help keep the airtime here, the production costs, the distribution costs. A donation via PayPal would be a world of difference and a world of good. Consider donating via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. If you'd prefer to donate via Patreon, you may donate at patreon.com slash the report of the week. That's patreon.com slash the report of the week. Today's show, well, we're just going to be- begin it and uh, jump right into a philosophical topic. Uh, we're gonna get deep. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna be getting into some deep issues in today's show. But I hope it's gonna be of interest, and then we got a lot of really good, really interesting listener-suggested topics uh, to finish off this show with. So I hope you could stay tuned. We got a good one coming up for you. First, a few words from our sponsors. This broadcast is brought to you by Database Pros for HR databases, HOA databases, and more great database software. Check them out, db-pros.com. That's db-pros.com. This broadcast also is sponsored by Brandon M. Lohman of Lohman Law PLLC. They provide professional, competent, dedicated, and courteous service. Loman Law PLLC has represented clients in matters of personal injury, tribal law, oil and gas law, and criminal defense. They are licensed in the state of North Dakota, the state of Minnesota, Fort Berthold District Court, Standing Rock Tribal Court, Federal District Court of North Dakota, and the Federal Court of Claims in Washington, D.C. Loman Law PLLC is based in Grand Forks, North Dakota. If you need help with your legal claim, contact Loman Law PLLC to set up a free consultation. Their contact information is as follows. You may find them at lomanlawfirm.com. That's L-O-M-M-E-N-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Lomanlawfirm.com. Facebook.com slash Lomanlaw. You may reach them via telephone at area code 701 Two one three five nine eight six, or via email at lomanlaw at gmail dot com. And to another segment of the program, we indeed go. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, and for simply being here for staying tuned. 
May as well address it, since uh, it has been in every program, uh, well, at least in, in recent memory. Uh, of course, recorded outside. This time, it is... Well, it's a little later than the last one. I would say around... I think close to 5 a.m. Just about 5 a.m. And, uh... Well, so far anyway, so good. Things are... Things are cool. No doubt about it. The, the air has uh, chilled a bit, so I have the overcoat and a sweater. And some gloves, you know, broken out. So I can stay warm. Uh, so I don't... I don't freeze to death recording this. Uh, there's... Well, I would say there's no likelihood of that happening to begin with, but just just to be to be sure, you know. So there we go, a time to break out the uh, the winter winter attire once again. And as I took the the microphone with me at this, I mean it's still dark, but early morning at this point. I thought to myself, well, what do I want to talk about? Because really, I mean, this show is uh, limitless, and I, I intended it to be that way. It was literally made, in a sense, without purpose. And that was done intentionally, so that really, I can talk about anything that I want to talk about. Granted, I try to keep things in the realm of uh, largely being related to, you know, the the more philosophical topics, etc. But, I mean, I could talk about anything, anything that I want. And I guess we'll get to the, the heavy, <laughs> the heavy stuff, and the heavy things, as I'd prefer to say, first, and then maybe we'll talk about some more trivial matters. I was thinking to, to to myself, at least. And I had lectured about this before. And it is a very deep topic. And this one... Everyone has their own take on it. Everyone has their different view, thought, or opinion on it. And always keep in mind, not caring is an opinion also. And there's no, there's no way to truly, conclusively prove this. You know how there are topics that are more... You know, it's, it's, it's right there in front of you, like giving up or, or whatever, like we talked about last week, right? Where you can see the issue at hand and the possible solutions and how everything can fall into place. And then sometimes I will dwell upon topics that are far more open-ended, where there really is no way to determine, uh, well, you know, are, are you right? Are you wrong? Is there even a right or a wrong in certain cases? It's a, a very broad topic, but how about we just go into it? Life, you know? I, I was thinking about this, right? Life. And just the meaning pertaining to it all. I had covered this once before. It's probably been over a year. But I'd like to do so again. I, I can't say that there is a single person who at least at one point has not contemplated why am I here? Why is all of this here. Why, <laughs> you know, why, why do I exist? Why did the universe exist? Why is all of this stuff around me? Why is everyone else there? Why do fish exist, <laughs> you know? Why do cave crickets or, or centipedes exist? What's, what's the meaning of it all? Why am I here? So many of those questions we can either answer partially or not at all. 
And like I said, we can all have some answers. Everyone's idea, I think. Why does everything exist? Why am I here right now? There may be those answers, there may be some of those answers, but in the end I think it is all very open-ended. Now obviously, it would be silly to introduce such a topic and then just drop it like that. Some of you may be wondering, well, what is your take on all of this? You know, like, let's say, all right, you're asking me the question, what do you think the meaning of life is? Why do you think, you know, what's the meaning behind it all, right? Lecturer, you, you, you tell me. Well, I'll share my thoughts. And that's truly what it is, sharing your thoughts. Because in the end, I'm probably dead wrong, but this is merely my view. If you ask me what the meaning of life is, perhaps to one's disappointment, I would say that the meaning of life is to give your life meaning. And that's my philosophy, anyway. It's not mine, you know. I'm sure many people have the very same. But that's my viewpoint. I think the meaning of it all is for you to give it meaning. Because in front of you, as I see it, your life, your existence, everything, starts out as a clean slate. Sometimes I like to think of it as just, you know, a, a blank piece of paper, an unwritten book. And as cliched as it may be, you are the author of that book. You are the one that fills it in and gives it meaning whatever meaning you would like for that to be. Now, personally, if you've listened to enough of these shows, you can probably quote it. I just don't believe in hurting others. I don't think that the meaning of life is to go out and to go out of your way, harm, kill, injure, undeserving, innocent individuals. I don't think that's right. But otherwise, I think the best, and you know, this is my view on it anyway, is the meaning of it all, you give it meaning. And that I lead to open interpretation. If you want that to thereby be, the meaning of life is to sit there and play yeah, whatever popular video game is just going around at this point all day. Well, it's your life. If it's to sit there and play pool all day, oh, there you go. If it's to treat others with respect, kindness, and dignity, then that's it. If it's to take care of yourself, your family, your friends, then that's it too. If it's to do the best job that you can, cooking up those burgers at McDonald's, then that's it. The meaning of life, in my opinion, is for you and you exclusively to give it meaning. But as I said earlier, and I say it, I, I, tru I say it shamelessly, it's one of those things that, in the end, is so broad a topic, filled with so many unanswered questions. I'm wrong. I very likely am. But if there's one thing that I think should be universally agreed upon, because 
I think as we all know, it is very likely impossible to get nearly anyone, any one collective group, to agree on anything. I would actually say that is truly impossible. I think it is impossible to get people to agree on any one single specific thing. And it's very evident. You look at the world, all you see is a world filled with disagreement. Even viewpoints, ideologies that agree with each other find a way to conflict with each other. Some of the best proof of that is to ask some of the simplest questions you would think that people would be able to agree upon at this point. Is the Earth a sphere? And you actually have a growing movement of people to this day that refuse to believe that. There is almost nothing in this world that everyone collectively will be able to agree upon. No one will agree on anything, but if there's one thing that I hope anyway may not necessarily be universally agreed upon, but at least is recognized, is the fact that life, in its current form, in your body, you, your time, is finite. And in the end, it may not matter why you're here, or why your neighbor's here, or why the sky is blue, or why that plane is being so annoying, or, you, you know, any of that. In the end, I think it's just important to have that understanding of that finite nature of things, in its current sense anyway. Appreciate what is here while it is to be appreciated. Whatever that may be. That can be your loved ones. That can be nature. Music. The arts. <laughs> what is that? Fortnite that everyone loves playing? Your hobbies, your passions. Your employment. Your friends, your family. Don't forget how important all of that is. And there's only one of you out there only ever will be. Your world, your life, your definition thereof. Make the most of it and just don't hurt others. And those are really my my words there. This whole topic came to mind quite quite frankly uh, yeah, I was checking the news last week and, much to my surprise, there was a headline that wasn't about U.S. politics. And it was in regards to uh, the television host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, and his diagnosis with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer is... One of those, uh, one of those things that I have myself researched, and I hate to say it in such harsh terms, but it is exceptionally severe, and it's a death sentence. More likely than not, at that point you have one year or less to live if diagnosed with it. And it was just another one of those moments when you just kind of realize when you, you know, especially with something like pancreatic cancer, the reason why it is so deadly is because it's just in, in a part of the body where it's just incredibly difficult to detect. And just the symptoms that it may exhibit are just normal, you know, it, it's stuff that practically everyone deals with. Some weight loss, you know, maybe some mild abdominal pain, nothing too bad, you know, nothing too severe. And largely while it grows and metastasizes, you aren't even aware 
that you have it. And by the time that it is diagnosed, you are at that point where it is fatal. It is terminal. And it's just its so crazy to think that there, there you can be, you know, one day you're still feeling all right. You're still able to do your day-to-day activities. You know, like you said, there's a little pain. Right? Who doesn't? Pretty much all of us have some aches, some pains here and there. Eventually go to the doctor, you know, not too bad. You still feel pretty normal. And you find out that you're going to die in six months. It's almost surreal to think about. I mean, just completely surreal. Gets to a point... And that just made me think about life. All the... All the the why, you know? Why this? Why that? Who, what, when, where, why, how? You can't forget how, right? Always has to be tacked in there at the end. And... The fragility of it all. How... How how delicate... This can be. How finite it is. And truly, how little we appreciate what is here before us. But at the same time, it's one of those things, it's so difficult, you know? All we ever know is existence. So, how can we truly appreciate this existence in its fullest way if you really haven't knowingly experienced anything else. So I understand. It's one of those things where you can say, well, you know, from this point on, I'm I'm going to try my best to appreciate life. Perhaps in general, perhaps maybe the small things in life Perhaps the people that, you know, we're, we're all on this, this journey together. Appreciate the people that I spend it with. But it's every day. Sometimes a complete change of mindset is entirely possible. But sometimes we'll try. We'll think about it, then we'll get distracted. Something else will come up. We'll slip up. And before you know it, We'll just be back to our old, usual selves. And I think that's just human nature. Thereby, I say, you don't necessarily have to spend every single second trying to appreciate life. Because then, in a sense, you can get yourself caught up. And you'll be spending your life appreciating life rather than actually living it, if you know what I mean. You're so busy trying to savor something that you really miss out on it. Kind of reminds you, you know, when you might be at a concert or a fireworks display and you see all the people with their phones and they're more busy recording the experience and trying to get that, you know, those those perfect pictures or videos of it rather than fully immersing themselves in the experience and taking it in with their own eyes and ears. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with taking a video of a concert or a fireworks display, but that's just an example that came to mind. Sometimes it's better to just experience it full on than to spend all of the time trying to gather it in through a device. I think it's important to make memories, take pictures, videos, and record those those special moments in life. But record everything, That's a different story. I think the best thing to record it with is your own five senses. So, close to 30 minutes later, since I began recording this, I'm even uh, sitting here now trying to think to myself, well, what am I I even going to title this? This is going to be, this is going to be a fun, a fun lecture to try and figure out what the title of it is going to end up being because if if you want to talk 
about a meandering lecture. I mean, this is it, right, right there. But this is just how I, how I go sometimes. I, I will get in front of the microphone and meander from one topic to the next and to the next. And some people, I understand, are very quick to attack uh, based on that. I think there's nothing wrong with it. Having that stream of consciousness, that's fine. You know, it is a, a, a stylistic preference, even. I guess that's what the format of this monologue really is. It's more of a stream of consciousness than anything else. But anyway, that was the serious stuff that I wanted to talk about. I guess in general, if I were to try to tell myself to come up with a title for this on the spot, it would really just be thoughts on life in general. Not really the meaning of life, not really why we're here or any of that, just on life. On life, you know? I think that is the one thing that truly encompasses all that was discussed over this last 30 minutes. I suppose just my thoughts on life. Eh, that could be a good enough title anyway. Since I did a, a show and I titled it My Thoughts on Death, right? May as well have my thoughts on life, too. Well, well there's an idea anyway. And you watch. You just watch. I'm probably after having spent an additional five minutes talking probably to myself as to what the title of this show is going to be. I'm probably going to scrap scrap this and talk about my thoughts on clown statues and that's going to be the that's going to be the title of this one. I do have a few miscellaneous thoughts that anyway I found I found interesting you know I don't know if who else would? But I found them interesting nonetheless. One thing that I, I think I did bring up in the last show, though it was quite literally in passing, was uh, the, the nautical phenomenon of rogue waves. Now, that's something that has fascinated me. Maybe you'll find it of interest, too, if anything, just go ahead and, you know, for sheer entertainment value, go to YouTube and just look up, you know, Rogue Wave videos, and uh, you'll see some good uh, videos of some heavy seas and uh, some huge waves. And if anything, that'll maybe provide some entertainment for five minutes, and that's it. But uh, maybe that's at the very least. But I mean, I myself, I am not a sailor. There might even be a few sailors uh, listening into this broadcast. You never know. I know a few people, maybe a couple dozen, uh, still listen to shortwave out on the uh, the high seas when there's no internet. You never know. Someone on a ship could be could be listening right now. But that's a side note. You know, I myself, I'm not a uh, a sailor. The amount of time I have spent on a boat. I'm talking like a serious boat, you know, not just like the ferry across the river or any of that. It's minimal. Uh, I really, you know, I, I'm not an ocean-going person. That's not to say that I haven't been to the ocean. I have. I've, I've been to the, uh, the beach a few times. I'm not a big uh, swimmer, I'll tell you that. The last, the last time I was ever truly at the beach was about a decade ago, and it was in Florida, believe it or not. And uh, I, I had this terrible sunscreen. It was just, I think it was just too old to really be useful anymore. I didn't realize it at the time, and it said it was waterproof, right? So, <laughs> oh, that was, you know, I, I, I put it on, went to the beach, I, you know, I was having, I was having fun. I always liked uh, playing in the surf and all that, you know, whatever. Having a good day. Well, it said it was waterproof. <laughs> you know, shucks that I didn't check the expiry. Because then, uh, I ended up getting the worst sunburn of my life. To the point I would really consider it sun poisoning. I was baked like a lobster. I mean, you know, it was... 
that red, I I felt like I had the flu. I don't even think I could stand. I felt like I was just terribly ill. And, uh, you know, it was persistent. It, it stayed there for, oh, for weeks. It was a very, very painful experience. But that was the last time that I ever went to the beach. By some miracle, I don't know how. I've Well, probably because I'm just nocturnal at this point. I can wear the short-sleeved dress shirts and ties and not get burnt to a crisp here. But, you know. What was I even getting at? Rogue waves. Yes. Like I was saying before I got sidetracked. I am not a sailor, and this topic I do find absolutely fascinating, nonetheless. And like I said, maybe maybe you will too. If anything, it goes to show, I mean, how little we know, even about our own environment around us. What a rogue wave is... You know that in large bodies of water, be that lakes, rivers, of course the oceans, you have waves. And usually waves are at a a relatively consistent height, depending on the weather, depending on wind, on storm systems, etc. But perhaps on a good day, uh, you know, the wave height might be very, very small. And, you know, just across the board, really, as far as you can see, like, let's just say the waves happen to be, I don't know, let's just say a foot, right? Not bad at all. Relatively, you know, calm, fairly calm, uh, at that point, you know, in the open water. You look from one end of your vision to the next, and everything is pretty much going to look the same, right? You're not going to be looking and... Alright, well, you know, all the waves I can see are a foot tall. Oh, and there's a 100-foot wave. And then everything else is looking good, right? That's not how it is. It's almost all balanced. Same thing even in a storm system. Let's say the waves are high. And the average wave height is 40 feet. You see that a lot, of course, in the Southern Ocean and in the North Sea, but really anywhere dependent on the the weather severity thereof. Wave heights were largely known to be nearly uniform. That was until the discovery of rogue waves, which there is still no explanation as to why they exist, Granted, there are certainly uh, several credible hypotheses out uh, trying to explain their existence, but there is no confirmed proof why they exist. And a rogue wave, essentially, is for no reason whatsoever. If waves are in your location three feet high, For no discernible reason, out of nowhere, comes a wave that's 20 feet high. Only one wave, one single wave, it's not a tsunami, it's not a mass displacement of water, it's just one single wave that's two to four times higher than all of the waves around you. Why it's there, what it's doing, why it happened, There's a few good guesses, but nothing can be proven. In truth, they just don't know yet. And the most fascinating thing of it all is the fact that the existence of these rogue waves was not even proven until 1996, if you could believe that. You would think, you know, that this would be something that people would have known of since the days of... (laughs) You know, the wooden ships traversing the seas and, you know, pirates and all that, right? You'd think they, they would have, uh, they would have, that would have already been an established thing. No, it took until 1996 before there was even any single credible scientific record of the existence. 
I believe that the wave in, in question was the uh, the Trapner wave, Trapner wave. You know, I'm I'm sure there's regional differences in pronunciation there, but it was only measured by chance. It was at a offshore oil platform. And, you know, it was in stormy weather, and it just happened that this platform had a, a sensor installed on it that measured wave height. And during one of these storms, out of nowhere was a single wave that was, I think, 90 feet high. Only one. None after that, none before it. Just one wave that was that high. And, of course, that was a, an extreme anomaly, and that was the first scientific record of a, an actual rogue wave. But they believe that they are more common than previously thought. Um, there may very well be dozens out at the ocean right now at this very current time. And many people attribute the fact of lack of documentation of these waves before 1996 due to the fact that especially in the days of, uh, you know, more primitive shipbuilding. Most ships that were hit by a 100-foot wave, let's just say, didn't make it back to tell the tale. And uh, you can read about it, though. I mean, there is even a Wikipedia page that says the list of rogue waves. Believe it or not, it's such a thing that they actually, there's a list of believed uh, encounters with this phenomenon. And like I said, you might think this is boring as hell, and you're saying, well, if that's the case, you have the privilege of being able to skip through this program. You can skip on to the better stuff. Uh, but if it is of interest, I mean, dive headfirst uh, into the, the metaphorical ocean of information there at your disposal. And, I mean, you will, you'll find yourself killing some time, no problem. You'll read about it, you'll read about the history of it, and you'll read about the list of rogue waves. And then just go to YouTube, check out... There's one good subreddit, I think it's called Heavy Seas, uh, that just has, you know, videos of, well, like the name implies, Heavy Seas. And they're just videos of rogue waves, or presumed rogue wave candidates. Uh, because there are some things that aren't rogue waves, like tsunamis or certain, you know, yearly tidal events, uh, you know, that, that are not rogue waves. But the genuine ones that are usually filmed from, you know, ships or, uh, there was one also that was filmed, I think, off the coast of California at a, at a lighthouse. And, I mean, it's a surreal when you see it. There was this one video I remember watching that was filming, I guess he was on a lighthouse or something, and he was filming a rogue wave that was you know, 12 miles out at sea, that, you know, the rest of the ocean was just completely calm, and there's this 100-foot wave just out there, and it was breaking, you know, didn't make it over to, the, to his position, but he filmed it while it was out there, and just to think that this phenomenon exists, and they, you know, they don't even know why. There's so little that we even know about the ocean. It, it's it's all around us. Haven't even explored much of the ocean floor yet. So, so, so little we even know about our own world. So little we know in general. Of course, compared to even just a 100, 100 years ago, there's so much knowledge all around us, but there is still just so much in the unknown. But I think it is those questions in the unknown that lead, at least in, to me, that degree of fascination with it all. All of the unexplainable things are uh, of just of such fascination. Not because of any sort of inherent quest to try to prove the existence, you know, to try to solve the mystery or whatever, no. I just think those things that we truly have know discernible answer for all of the anomalies, all of the odd doings and happenings and all of that, is just utterly fascinating. Not because of any sort of desire to seek an answer, but just for the fact that it exists. You know, it's, it's just one of those things that is of high interest. 
And you are listening to VORW Radio International, the voice of the Report of the Week, more commonly known at this point very likely as uh, simply VORW International. And we now begin the next portion of today's program, which is the, uh, well, I would say the more listener-interactive part. Uh, In this portion of the show, we just take a look at a few of your questions, your comments, your miscellaneous topic suggestions, and uh, we just go through them and see what we have in store today. First and foremost, I would like to mention, if you would like to get in contact with me, your feedback is valued, greatly appreciated, and it is always wonderful to know, number one, that someone somewhere is listening to this broadcast, and number two, what your thoughts on this broadcast are. So, if you have anything you'd like to share, please feel free to do so at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. If you're listening in on shortwave and you want a QSL, that's the way to do it. You know, just tell me the frequency. Don't even, you know, just tell me the frequency and I'll give you one out, you know. v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Also keep in mind... This broadcast is completely and totally listener-funded. The only way I'm able to do this show, the only way I'm able to produce this show, the only way I'm able to get this show out to you, the listener, is through donations from people just like you. As this program is a continuous operation, meaning that it is done each and every week uh, without end, Please bear that in mind and consider your support. Donations via PayPal to VORWINFO at gmail.com are greatly appreciated. If you'd prefer to donate via Patreon, that likewise is appreciated at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Patreon.com slash the report of the week. Before we get into a a few topics, I think we have four lined up in today's program, I would like to acknowledge a few listeners who tuned into the shows uh, last week and wrote in. A few online listeners, I want to say hello to Tim in Conway, Arkansas, Adam W. in Ireland, Matthew P. in California, and hello to Erica B. for listening into this program online. And on the shortwave side of things, I'd like to say hello to Drew in Iowa, who tuned in on 5850 kHz. Menandro in California, also listening on 5850 kHz. And to Stephen in Pennsylvania, listening again on 5850 kHz shortwave. Now we have, as I said, about four topics, I would say... At least four. It might be a fifth one, you know, kind of lurking in the shadows, metaphorically, but I'm pretty sure I have four down. But, you know, if a fifth one shows up, don't be surprised. So, having gotten that off the bat, we hear first from Herbert, uh, who's listening in from Texas. He says, I'm not sure if you have talked about technology overtaking jobs, but it's something that I think about from time to time. It's happened in numerous trades, and I have seen it in broadcast radio, with syndication of programs greatly reducing the number of DJs. What are your thoughts on this? Thank you, Herbert, for your topic suggestion. Now, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head, and this is going to be a significant problem going forward. That's one thing that has, uh, has me worried. The pace of technology and technological advancement can either be a lot faster than you thought it would be, or a lot slower than you thought it would be. There's already been the process of automation, like you mentioned in, for instance, uh, the radio industry. Eventually, it, it is not, at this point, I firmly believe, a matter of how, but it is a matter of when. When will artificial intelligence, for instance, 
come about and be prevalent enough to begin replacing many jobs, let's say, in the service industry, for instance, or even in the medical industry, right? When is that going to happen? When are driverless vehicles, especially trucks, and I'm not talking like, you know, a pickup truck, I'm talking uh, a tractor trailer, an 18-wheel or a big rig or whatever other word you would like to use to describe it, when are those going to exist? When are they going to be perfected, and when are they going to take over the industry? You're already starting to see it in very small ways. It is in its infancy at this point. But if you go to McDonald's, for instance, they have the touchscreen ordering. You know, you go in, and instead of going and placing your order to the cashier, you use the touchscreen. Now then, most of the time, you still have to go up to the cashier anyway and pay or whatever. Eventually, it's going to be perfected. There's going to be no need for that anymore. Cashier is going to be out of a job. The biggest thing that worries me is the driverless trucks. Can you imagine what is going to happen to the trucking industry when tractor trailers are driverless? I believe... A truck driver was the most common job in over two dozen states. Can you imagine the size of the workforce in the trucking industry? You may not be a truck driver, I know, my, I know I'm not a truck driver, but think, every single time that you go somewhere that you take a road trip, that you go on the interstate. How many trucks do you see? Countless numbers. Every single one of them has a driver. When automation takes over that industry, what's going to happen to all of them? Some people try and counter that. They say, well, people still need to be there to watch over the the machines, you know, to make sure that they have that quality control. Oh, absolutely. I'll give credit where credit is due, yes. That's very true. And then what's going to happen when it's deemed that these automated systems are sufficient to the point where there no longer needs to actually be a driver to sit there and babysit the driverless truck? And that all of the trucks in the entire fleet can be monitored, let's say, from a, you know, a command center uh, that only requires several dozen staff to monitor around the clock. What then? And let's be honest, big business is never, never lenient. If they realize they can make the same amount of profits while laying off 80% of their workforce, you better believe they're going to do it. They are merciless. Money talks. And a good PR statement here or there or empty words of reassurance is not going to change anything. So, my big question, when this happens... And when artificial intelligence and automation begins replacing jobs on a large scale, where are the millions, if not tens of millions, of displaced workers going to go? What's going to happen to them? And that's going to be an interesting... That's going to be an interesting time, no matter what, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Herbert, nonetheless, for your topic. Our next topic suggestion comes from Ian... He said, to what extent is a person not intelligent if he doesn't do well in school? Thank you for your topic suggestion. If you ask me that question, to what extent is a person not intelligent if he does not do well in school? It's all in regards to context. That is a highly circumstantial question. Because you can have individuals who 
have a different learning style, who simply do not perform well in the classroom environment, but are far from, as some would say, stupid. You have people who are brilliant minds, but are not good test takers. It has to be understood that we all have our abilities that we are better at and that we aren't good at. I'll cite myself as an example of that. In school, especially high school, there were some classes that I was terrible at. I I was on the verge of failing uh, a few. And it wasn't because I didn't care. It wasn't because I didn't give a damn. It was simply because I was not good at that subject. One of them, for instance, was language learning. And I remember I studied Spanish for five years. I barely, I barely passed it. And I can, uh, I really can't even remember an ounce of the Spanish language. Of course, bits and pieces here and there, but I just kept forgetting. And it was like, I remember I was so frustrated because people didn't seem to understand that yes, you, even in the educational environment, you can try your best and still forget things. Your mind, it just, uh, you know, you, you, you try your best to keep remembering and remembering and it, it almost like it overwrites itself and you can't remember it anymore. People don't see that as a legitimate thing. They see it more so as an excuse rather than anything else. Why would I make an excuse to, to say that I forgot? I forgot. I, I, I couldn't remember it. I tried my best. I, I don't agree with that question, though, in, in general. Because, like I said, I think it is highly circumstantial. Whereas I said, there are many contributing factors. You can have someone who is, a, let's say, a brilliant writer. And in, uh, you know, writing courses and English and all, all of that performs excellently. You know, aces everything. But the same individual is not very good at mathematics and struggles in that subject and obviously the struggles and difficulties are reflected in the grade and uh, the performance isn't looked upon as good. Is this person an idiot? Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. But just because you perform to a degree deemed unsatisfactory in school does not define you as an idiot. Some people will tell you that, but that isn't true. Like I said, though, I cannot give a qualified answer to that. There are just too many variables to that question, because like I said, you can just, you can get test anxiety, and I mean, that's a real thing. You can look that up. So, it, there's just so many circumstances, but that's my take on it anyway. I think some people would say, well, you know, if you fail, you're a failure, and other people will disagree. I think it all comes down, especially in regards to that question, down to who you ask. This is VORW Radio International. Uh, next we hear from Ivar, who's checking in, and he has the following to write. As a topic for next week, I'd like to suggest writing stories. I understand that you used to write yourself. Did you quit, or are you still writing? Thank you, Ivar, for your topic suggestion. Uh, writing short stories, yes, yes, that was something that I did, and something that I still do, uh, believe it or not. Now, this is a direct question. Uh, yeah, no, I still, I still write short stories. As a matter of fact, I haven't taken, you know, the pen to paper in uh, a little while, but I've been working on a new story, and I still do. I, I just don't feel comfortable publishing any of the work right now, so it just remains, you know, for for me. But I mean, I might end up making a compendium one day if anyone ever wants to read it, you know, once I tie everything up and uh, make it at least somewhat acceptable. <laughs> uh, but yes, yes, I've been working on a new story and I've been, uh, I've been writing it and uh, 
I've been kind of also brainstorming, you know, ideas for it and just jotting it down and getting sort of the organizational timeline for it. And, uh, yeah, it's looking so far so good. I mean, I, I've got the energy, I've got the ideas, I'm uh, getting down the, the plot, so to speak, and then I'm just going to pick up pen to paper and uh, start writing again. But no, that's, that's still there. It's just in regards to the material itself. Uh, I'm just not, you know, I just don't want to share any of it at this point in time. But I still am an active writer, and uh, that's where I stand with that. So thank you for bringing that up. I'm sure you're not the only person who's wondered that, because I know in the past a few people have inquired about the uh, short stories and writing as well. And next we hear from Cooper over in Hawaii. He says, uh, could you talk about your take on being open-minded? Well, my opinion on being open-minded is, uh, is, is very direct. I think that being open-minded is one of the most important things to be in life. I, I think that being closed-minded will get you, will get you nowhere in the grand scheme of things. And at the same time, you always have to remember that being open-minded does not mean that you have to agree with everyone else, or that you have to agree with certain ideologies or viewpoints or any of that. Being open-minded simply means I'm willing to listen. And when I'm willing to listen, I'll see these different viewpoints, these different perspectives. It may very well change my mind. It may very well change my stance, my idea on this issue or matter or the other. And there is also that chance that it won't. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the very least, at the absolute very least, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with listening. I think that being open-minded is such an important thing. That's something that I myself have tried to be better at uh, over recent years. Try to be more understanding of people's ideas, their viewpoints, where they're coming from when they say this or that. And just because I try to be more understanding doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with this or disagree with that, but I'll certainly lend an ear and then make up my own mind. But you can't do that unless you're willing to keep your mind open to various viewpoints, some that you may agree with and some that you may disagree with. But I think it's an important, such an important quality that I, I wish, I wish everyone had in this day and age. Something that this country and truly this whole entire world can do with a lot more of. Thank you for your question. Great to hear from a listener in Hawaii, by the way. we That's one of the states that uh, I almost never hear from. Anyway, last but certainly not least, we hear from Eric in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he had a bit to say, but I thought it was worth reading and sharing. So, uh, here's what he has to say. He writes, Basically, I had a run-in with a supervisor at my job the other day. My supervisor is kind of a jerk. I'm a pretty quiet, non-confrontational guy, and sometimes I work slower than others. I always get the job done right, but I can admit that I'm not as quick as some of the guys in here. The guy incessantly talks down to me, acts like I don't know what I'm doing, shows me a complete lack of respect, etc. The other day, I finally snapped. He found a very minor error in my work, and in a tone reminiscent of a bratty, older sibling making fun of you, asked me, quote, Wow, how long have you worked here again? Unquote. And, as I said, I snapped. I went off, if you will. I told him he was disrespectful, rude, and treats me like I'm a subhuman when in reality I'm a grown man with two children and I have a right to be spoken to with some respect. He of course bucked back, 
but then eventually stormed off while saying, quote, I'm going to call you out every chance I get now, unquote. It ended up with me requesting a transfer, which I'm still waiting on, but no disciplinary action. Even though it's over, my anxiety is making me think things like, well, should I apologize just because that's what I was raised to do? But should I? What if my apology sends me back into a zone where he thinks he can disrespect me? When is it okay to stand your ground and not apologize after a fight with someone? He is suddenly speaking to me with a bit more respect, but I still feel sort of bad, even though he's been nothing but rude for a year and a half. What do you think? Is it sometimes okay to be a jerk in regard to standing up for yourself and then just not apologize? Just to stand your ground and not relent and accept a come-what-may outlook. Thank you, Eric, for your question and all of the circumstantial feedback in regards to it. I'll tell you this right off the bat. Do not give this guy an apology, because quite frankly, he doesn't deserve one. One thing that I've realized more and more, even over just the past year or so, is, you know, sometimes you're taught that things are just black and white. It's either this way or the other. In reality, everything is gray. There's always, well, you can do this, but if the situation is more like this, then you can do that. And, and, and you know, there's so many different paths that you can take, so many options. And that kind of leaves you spiraling around and thinking to myself, well, what, what should I do then? Because I don't even know. First and foremost, my personal suggestion, do not apologize to that individual. Because considering how you have mentioned that he has repeatedly treated you in a demeaning way, in a disrespectful way, to me, if you apologize to him, it'll give him a sign saying, well, look at that. I still can keep treating this guy like crap. He's not going to stand up for himself. I can push him around again. There are people in this world, a lot more than you think, that feed off of people's weaknesses, that are disgusting people, aggressive individuals, and will try to lash out and attack you at every chance they get. And these despicable human beings especially like to prey off of people who do not stand up for themselves because they know that these people can be pushed around because they will tolerate this treatment and they will not say no to it. Depending on the circumstance, sometimes standing up for yourself can be a hell of a lot difficult uh, than other circumstances may end up being. But you did the right thing. Do not apologize to him and stand your ground. And if he tries to do it again, best thing to do, don't even dignify him with a response. He may be your boss, and it might be your place of employment. But if it persists, ask yourself this. Can I get another job? And that might be the best thing to do. Where I might end up working in an establishment where I will actually be respected and treated as an adult by the management and not be demeaned and disrespected by a psychopath who is my boss. It's all circumstantial. For instance, if, you know, it's between two friends and, you know, whatever, things just get a little heated this one time and you just snap and, you know, you feel bad about it. You know the person. You know that you didn't really mean what you said or whatever. That's the right thing to do, to apologize. To say, look, you know, I'm I'm sorry about what I what I said earlier. Things just got heated. And I, I, just, I just hope, you know, I, you know... I feel bad about it, whatever. This could be between friends, family, relationships, co-workers, you name it. If it is at that level where, you know, you know things are 
are comfortable or there's that certain level of familiarity or even formality to it. Apologizing is perhaps the right thing to do. But if it is in a situation where you feel like someone is bullying you, which really this is what this guy is doing, those individuals should not have an apology sent their way. Because there's nothing for you to apologize for. You're standing up for yourself. You're doing the right thing. And they do not deserve one. So it all comes down to the situation at hand, what's going on, but if you ask me, in your case, you did the right thing, and, you know, continue standing your ground. Because if you back down now, he will see that as a weakness, and he'll be all over you. I could almost guarantee you that. But if you don't, he'll realize, well, damn, you know, maybe this guy is actually, he's not going to take my crap anymore, so you might leave him alone. Not necessarily the case, but you did the right thing. And I want you to know that. In my eyes, anyway, with my understanding of the situation, you did the right thing, and I'm, I'm proud of you for standing up for yourself. And with that, dear listeners... We conclude this broadcast of VORW International. If you enjoyed what you heard, and you would like to hear more of it, be sure to check out our podcast, which is available a variety of ways. New programs are published each and every Thursday. You may find this show on SoundCloud, at soundcloud.com slash VORW on YouTube at youtube.com slash VORW podcast you may find this program on iTunes Spotify Stitcher Google Play Pocket Casts and TuneIn simply by searching VORW If you are a radio listener, you may hear this broadcast every Thursday over the International Shortwave at the time of 5 p.m. Eastern, that's 21 hours UTC on 7780 kHz, that's 7.780 MHz, targeting Eastern North America and Europe. At the time of 9 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday, 01 hours UTC, you may hear this broadcast targeting North America on 5850 kHz. That's 5.850 MHz every Thursday. Your correspondence is always welcome, and any questions, comments, or pieces of feedback are welcome. Topic suggestions are always appreciated as it helps keep this show going. You may contact me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. And as previously mentioned in the broadcast, this show is listener-funded exclusively. Consider a donation via PayPal to v-o-r-w info at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Until next Thursday, thank you for listening, do take care, and have a wonderful week ahead. This is VORW.